Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 121. Today I will be talking about a small town love triangle. My sources for today's episode are Mean Girl Murders, Season 1, Episode 4, titled Desperate Texas Housewives, Oxygen.com, CBSNews.com, DallasNews.com, and Vizica.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. These women are not getting along. She had never wanted them to know what was going on because that's a way for them to use things against you. It seemed to me that she was a manipulator. She approaches the car and is banging on the window, asking Katie to get off her property. This bad blood, it just grows. It festers over time. She is paranoid, jealous. She is constantly watching, and she wants her out of the picture. Today's case takes place in the small town of Princeton, Texas, about 25 miles north of Dallas. Princeton is described as a little big town where gossip and rumors spread like wildfire. Kelly Underwood grew up in a town called Mesquite, Texas, about 50 miles away from Princeton. Kelly was described as having a lot of fire in her and wasn't afraid to stand up for herself. She was very loud and fun. In high school, she bonded with a friend of hers named Tiffany, but after graduation, Tiffany moved to Princeton. In 1996, Tiffany married a successful businessman named Ronnie Wilburn. Both Tiffany and Ronnie will become key players of today's story. Kelly had been married several times and was raising three children on her own. She loved her kids, but it was a struggle to be a single mom. In the fall of 2012, Tiffany invited Kelly to move in with her and Ronnie. Kelly and her daughter, Kaden, moved in with them. Kaden was about 15 at the time. Ronnie was described as a very nice and helpful guy. And the household was described as a family environment. They both they all often sat down for dinners together. Ronnie ran a business called Express Fabrications, a metal fabrication business, and Ronnie offered Kelly a job, so over the next year they spent a lot of time together. Tiffany became jealous and started to watch Kelly and Ronnie very closely. Kelly and Tiffany distanced themselves from each other. One day, Tiffany confronted Kelly, but Kelly denied that she was involved with Ronnie any more than employee and employer. Kelly was very surprised by Tiffany's accusations, but Ronnie had cheated on Tiffany before. Kelly continued to work at Express Fabrications and became an office manager. Tiffany filed for divorce from Ronnie. Kelly and Caden stayed at Ronnie's. Shortly after Tiffany moved out, Kelly began to get sticky notes with things like home record written on them. The first one had been placed on the door, but the notes would end up inside her car. She had never proven who wrote those notes or put them in her car. Within the month, Kelly and Caden moved out and into an apartment together. Ronnie would go to Kelly's throughout the week and pick up paperwork and things like that. Ronnie would let Kelly do certain things that led Kelly to believe that he had feelings for her, and she eventually opened up to the idea of being with Ronnie. She started to believe that another woman was in the picture soon after, and a woman named Katie Robinson had moved into the house after Tiffany and Kelly moved out. Katie was in her 20s and had a strong personality. On Wednesday, September 20th, 2017, it had been a few days since Kaden had heard from Kelly. She went into the house, walked inside, and called out for her mom. Kaden found Kelly dead inside the house. She had noticed that her feet were swollen, 
and she was cold to the touch. Caden said she hadn't meant to touch Kelly, but she did. When the police arrived, Kelly's home was in disarray. Things were knocked over, so it was believed that there had been a struggle. Food and drinks had been left over on the counter, and the items had been collected in hopes that DNA could be collected from them. Kelly had been found dead in her bedroom. There was a lot of blood found on her. She had been stabbed in the face, head, and neck, and she had also been shot with a 22 caliber gun. The police believed that more than one person could have been involved. Sexual assault was ruled out immediately. The police were also led to believe that Kelly had been dead for a few days. There were eight total bullet wounds found on Kelly. A murder weapon was not found. Caden was interviewed by the police. Caden hadn't spoken to Kelly in about five days, which was odd because they talked frequently. Caden was asked about the people in her mom's life, and Caden immediately brought up Ronnie Wilburn. She said Kelly and Ronnie had been dating for a few years, but Ronnie had been married to her mom's best friend, Tiffany, shortly before. Ronnie came into the station for an interview. He was asked when he first met Kelly, and he said around October 2012, he admitted that his ex-wife Tiffany and Kelly had been best friends at the time. Ronnie said the last time he saw Kelly was when he dropped some paperwork off at her house. He said he was over there on Friday for about 30 minutes. The murder occurred either late Saturday or early Sunday morning. Ronnie admitted that another woman had been causing issues between him and Kelly. He said he and Katie had a three-month-old daughter together. Ronnie said Katie didn't know about his relationship with Kelly, but knew he would go to her house. On New Year's 2016, Kelly found out about Katie's pregnancy. Kelly was upset but and called Kaden about it. Katie, Katie was contacted and went to speak to the police. She didn't seem to know any details about Ronnie and Kelly's relationship. Well, that's what she said anyway. A neighbor told the police that a truck with an Illinois license plate had been at Kelly's home recently. Ronnie was asked if that was his truck. He said no, but identified the truck as belonging to Robert Beale. He had once worked for Express Fabrications and had been close to Kelly and Ronnie. A week after the murder, Robert Beale was interviewed by the police. He admitted to being at Kelly's a lot and said he went there to install an above-ground pool. The police also collected his DNA, but... Robert wouldn't let the police search his phone. He had pulled out his phone and was messing around with it, so it was clear he was trying to hide something. Kelly's friends were immediately suspicious of Tiffany once they learned about her death. They contacted the police. It didn't make sense to some people, especially Caden. Tiffany still lived in the area but had moved on from Ronnie, and she was eventually ruled out. After Kelly's death, Ronnie would contact Caden to check in on her. Katie also reached out to her on Facebook, and Katie said that she had also lost her mom, so Kaden thought that Katie was bonding with her. Kaden contacted the police all the time for updates, and she did her own investigation when they didn't have any new information. A man that lived across the street from Kelly did have information. He told Kaden that he had seen a man known as D at Kelly's on Saturday afternoon, which is either the day she died or she died on Sunday morning. Caden reached out to a friend and asked about Dee, and this man's real name was Delvin Powell. Delvin had other outstanding felony warrants and had once choked his girlfriend. Delvin was found hiding in a motel in Allen, Texas. The motel room and Delvin's car were searched. Inside, they found 22 caliber bullets, and they found several knives. Delvin was arrested on September 27th for his outstanding domestic violence warrant. This was a week after Kelly was found dead. 
In October 2017, a friend of Kelly's noticed some graffiti on Kelly's driveway. It said, Whore lives here. It was clear that it had been put there recently. The police were finally able to get Kelly's phone records back, and they discovered that in June 2017, Katie had reached out to Kelly. Katie had asked Kelly if she should know anything before she had Ronnie's baby. Kelly cut off her relationship with Ronnie, but Ronnie continued to go over to Kelly's home. In the summer of 2017, Katie had her baby, and she also had her suspicions and would watch Kelly's home. Ronnie and Kelly did rekindle their affair. Ronnie told Kelly he would end his relationship with Katie. In July 2017, Ronnie came to Kelly's home to drop off a check. They were inside talking, and Katie had shown up and was looking through Ronnie's truck. Kelly went outside and approached Katie and banged on the window. Kelly asked Katie to get off her property. On July 18th, Katie sent Kelly a text message saying that she was leaving Ronnie and then added, quote, I hope y'all are both happy now, end quote. On August 6th, Ronnie texted Kelly that he loved her. Kelly told Ronnie to fuck off and not to text her. His last message to Kelly was that he couldn't wait for her to be Mrs. Wilburn. A friend of Katie's told the police that Katie had planned to plant drugs in Kelly's car to get her arrested. Katie and Ronnie were both brought in for interviews, but Katie denied any involvement in Kelly's murder. The police knew she was lying and she was confronted about the evidence that the police had been getting back. She then started to throw Ronnie under the bus. Katie said that Ronnie needed to get Kelly out of his life because she was a problem at the business. Katie told the police that she didn't want things to end like that, but that's how the, they were going to get rid of her. Katie did admit that she knew about Robert Veal and Delvin Powell. She knew that Ronnie had hired them. Ronnie was interviewed after Katie's confession, and he was completely caught off guard. Ronnie said it was his idea and planned it with Robert. He said he gave Robert $8,000, and he was clearly trying to separate Katie from it. The police obtained search warrants for Ronnie and Katie's cell phones. They learned between August and September, Katie had been pushing Ronnie and asking why Kelly was still in their lives. Katie texted Ronnie and said she was giving him until September 18th to do something about Kelly. She said she was leaving with their child if he didn't. Ronnie sent a message to Robert and Delvin. He said he was going to turn the music up at Kelly's house so that he would arrive acting like nothing happened. It's believed that Kelly fought back but was overpowered by them. In the early morning hours of September 17th, Robert texted Ronnie that it was done. Caden said she couldn't believe Ronnie was involved. And she found out that Katie had never lost her mom and lied to Caden. On November 16th, 2017, Ronnie, Katie, Robert, and Delvin were all arrested for capital murder. Delvin and Robert were found guilty and given life sentences. Ronnie pled guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. On November 3, 2020, Katie was sentenced to 30 years with the possibility of parole. Caden believes that Katie was the mastermind. I can't even imagine what Caden went through finding her mom that way. Katie and Ronnie are monsters as well for claiming to care about Caden and checking up on her. They knew what had happened to Kelly the whole time. They all deserve to rot in prison. And it's sad knowing that Katie could be released in a few years. I definitely think more people will be in trouble if Katie is out on the streets because she has no issues getting rid of people who are in her way. My book recommendation for this week is Whisper by Brian Dearborn. 
Fresh off of a breakup and finally coming to terms with the death of her father, a young biotech professional, Madison Parker, is ready to move forward with her life in California. That is until her hometown best friend from affluent Connecticut is viciously murdered. With Madison still reeling from the tragedy, the killer begins to target other members of her inner circle, and she finds herself at the center of a string of increasingly brutal murders that span coast to coast. As she struggles to understand the killer's motive and protect her remaining friends, she realizes it's only a matter of time before she becomes a victim of the deadly game. But catching the killer once and for all means uncovering alarming secrets in her own life, secrets she might be better off leaving alone. This book was compared to Scream. Madison does remind me a little bit of a less annoying version of Sydney Prescott from Scream. While I love Sydney's character, she does annoy me as time goes on in each movie. Madison knows she's being targeted, but why? Not only does Madison have to worry about being killed, she tries to deal with the loss of her best friend and her father. Why are Madison and those closest to her being targeted? This book definitely kept me on the edge of my seat, and I give this book a 9 out of 10. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. The question that I have for you this week is, do you think all four of the killers in today's case should have received life sentences? Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, email me at itscrimeoclocksummer at gmail.com, buy me a coffee, and please leave me a five-star rating and review if you're enjoying this podcast. And remember, please be nice. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.